I'm really grateful for the opportunities that I've had sober. There's so many things that I couldn't have imagined being able to do while I was still in my cups. You know, I've done some really cool backpacking and hiking and camping. I'm just really grateful for all the opportunities that I've had from getting sober and having a fellowship. Being sober is so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Sam. Don. The new grapevines are here. The new grapevines are here. Oh, my gosh. Woohoo! Yay! Ah! And it's packed with all kinds of WIPA goodness. What's a WIPA? Don, it's not a WIPA is young people in AA. But did you know that young in WIPA means anyone with room to grow? You mean at my advanced age? Wait a minute, Sam, I'm not reading that. (laughs) (laughs) This issue features stories by young AA members, some who got sober totally online during COVID. In the story, Not Giving Up, a young newcomer gets sober online during the pandemic meeting her sponsor to do steps in cars and outdoors in parks. Any links, right? In Why Pod Till We Die Pa, a man who spent his early days in young people's AA groups stays young by sticking around to help out. In 90-year-old newcomer, a member shares about his journey into sobriety, taking his last drink at 88 years old. 88, wow. And just when she thinks the fun is over, the young writer of Danced All Night hits the floor like never before. Woohoo! It's possible to have fun dancing sober. I mean, well, I didn't think it could dance at all without drinking. The first time I the first time I ever danced sober, it was amazing that it was fun and I could do it. And the nice thing about it was I was like interacting with other people instead of trying to be a destructive tornado. I mean, before before a whirling dervish, a whirling dervish before I quit drinking. There are three times after dancing at dance parties drinking where I had to buy new glasses because I broke my glasses. (laughs) So here's the difference is that maybe when you were drinking and you were dancing, you still couldn't dance. You just didn't care. (laughs) Is that what it was? Well, no, I learned to dance. Oh, okay. 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 (laughs) No, it's actually, I'm pretty good at it and I can learn to do new things. And you have been an, an enthusiast about dancing at one point, weren't you? You'd like we're doing some some yeah. some special. I forgot it was, what it called, was called contra dancing. Contra. It's kind of like square dancing. My wife wanted to do it, and I was just terrified. I mean, I I don't know if I can do this. And we were going the first time to the very first dance. Okay, I'm gonna do it, but I'm like, I, I was I was terrified. So I called my sponsor, and he said, "Well." Be careful. You might have fun. (laughs) (laughs) And you did. I did. (laughs) Now, Sam, you just got back from Ikipa in New Orleans. (laughs) I sure did. Were you productive or did you just party, dance the whole time? (laughs) My head is still spinning. Not from alcohol, I hope. 
Nope, it's probably the energy drinks. <laughs> In two weeks, our show is going to be talking with people at the convention. That's going to be great. Yeah. Today, we have a grapevine author who has a story in the September issue. Yep, Don, today's guest is Leah B., the author of Open for Business. Her story is on page 22 of the September 2022 issue. Grapevine does not accept donations, but you can offer your support by making a purchase at store.aagrapevine.org or by the Carry the Message gift certificates to sponsor Grapevine subscriptions for alcoholics in need. That's store.aagrapevine.org. Um, hi, my name is Leah. I'm an alcoholic and my home group is the downtown group in Laramie, Wyoming. Um, my sobriety date is March 13th, 2021. I got sober when I was 21 and I'm 23 now. What was going on with you that made you feel like that you needed to go to an AA meeting? Well, I got sober in another 12-step program several months before, and I was convinced that, you know, I can still drink. Drinking isn't my, I you know, I'm not an alcoholic. I just have other addictions. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but I think that's a very alcoholic way of thinking. Which <laughs> yeah, it's like, not like, that. Not that, not yeah, that I, will, I will rationalize my way out of anything, but it kind of came down to my life being completely unmanageable because I'm, you know, I'm in college and I thought that, you know, everyone does this. Everyone just drinks sure. themselves to, like stupid every night in their room. <laughs> normal people <laughs> do, right? Because I'm in college, <laughs> but yeah. And I already had a sponsor who is great. I have to give her a shout. Can I give her a shout out? Absolutely. Her name's Sarah, and we met on Zoom. Oh, cool. Yeah, we met on Zoom back, I guess, about two years ago now. We really clicked. You know, she makes me do really uncomfortable things, which I don't like, but I know it's good for me. (laughs) For example? Well, I mean, there are so many things, like making amends that I didn't really want to make, or, you know, I'll be (laughs) telling her things, and she's like, well, maybe you had a part in this. And I was like, well, maybe you had a part in this. Like, how about maybe saying yes to being on a podcast? Yes, like saying yes to being on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You were reticent to be on the podcast? Um, I think I was concerned about like anonymity, but I also think, you know, my story's like it's nothing special. Like I just got sober and Mm. you know, I I, I don't want it to be like about me, but then it's, you know, I think uh, people have helped me, especially my sponsor have helped me realize like, no, it's not that this is just about you and your ego. It's a means to share your story and see how my experience can benefit others. Yeah. It's another chance for people to relate. But yeah. It is, your story is special though, because the only way that I was able to surrender when I came to AA, it was people sharing their surrender that made me more and more willing to do it. And then to do things like make amends. Yeah. Yeah. And the comfort with which we talk about our recovery, you know, what got us here, it kind of demystifies it, if you will, for people who are still not to that place. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for (laughs) agreeing to come on. (laughs) So you got sober over the internet. Were there in-person meetings? Well, so I got sober in another fellowship entirely online. You know, I'm, I'm really fortunate Relapse hasn't been a part of my story yet. Mm-hmm. 
I came into the the downtown group in, you know, mid-March of 2021. And that was actually right around when the meetings were starting to be in person again. Otherwise, like I would have just found the online meetings, but I was really grateful that there were in-person meetings because I really needed that. And, you know, knowing that there's a fellowship in person. As well as online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I still will do online meetings just because personally, I really enjoyed the women's meeting and there's only one in-person women's meeting in town. I'll go to that, but it's nice doing like women's meetings online um, downtown in-person meetings because I I really just need all of it. Well, online meetings, not only did they give us this fantastic opportunity during this pandemic shutdown to continue doing what we do to help each other, but it really increased the breadth of our reach. So sitting in my at my computer, I can go to a meeting in Singapore if I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so in an area that doesn't have a whole lot of meetings, it really has opened up the opportunity for you to go to meetings that aren't just not available to you otherwise. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. And especially with the whole young people's thing, it was nice. You know, we only really did it for that first semester. And I'm going to try to, I'm going to be starting it up. Well, what are you talking about? Yeah, oh, what's this? Oh, the young people's meeting that I started. Oh. So I am in Laramie, Wyoming. And the closest, I, I think I wrote it in the article, but the closest young people's meeting is in Colorado. And the road to Colorado is often closed for snow most of the year. Oh, wow. So if there's a snowstorm, we're stuck in our town for like, you know, upwards of like a, a week. It doesn't happen often, but I don't like driving on that road. I don't really tend to go down to Colorado unless I need something in Colorado. How long a drive is it? It's like an hour. It's not too bad. A little less than an hour. That's a pretty good haul. Oh, yeah. And I don't mean to make it sound like I'm just in the middle of nowhere, but I think comparatively, it's not like there's just a town right next door. The closest town is 50 miles from here. That's significant. Yeah. Yeah. Sparsely populated. You know, I mean, there are other meetings. I want my own meeting. Is that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So what happened was I was at a downtown meeting and usually when I first came into the downtown group, there were, it was mostly older people older white men. And that Mm -hmm. was just the average demographic. Mm -hmm. And I was okay with that because I needed the sobriety. I needed to hear their stories. And there were so many old timers that I have learned so much from, and I'm really grateful for that experience. But I think at the same time, there were some things that I was having a hard time relating to. Like, I'm not retired. I'm not, I don't have grandkids. And not to say that all of the people there are, but I just wanted a space where we could just have young people. You wanted to be in a group with people who were sharing experiences at the same stage of life that you're at. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a big part of it was I wish that actually, I don't know. I'm an alcoholic. I really don't know if, if there was that opportunity of, you know, young people who are sober. I don't know if I would have gone into that kind of space, but with starting this group, I just wanted it to be available to people who might be, you know, struggling with alcoholism or other addictions that they're interested in recovery. So you started a young person's group. Yeah, because I was so scared to come to the downtown meetings because I had no clue what AA was going to be like, like in person. I'd gone to some online meetings, but I had no clue what to expect coming into the downtown group. Mm, That's a newcomer experience. I mean, I think everybody, I was terrified going to AA the first time. Yeah. 
Um, but just in the for how the formation of the group happened, there were there just so happened to be three other young people, like college age kids, in one of the meetings downtown, and we were talking afterwards, and I was just like we could just start our own meeting. You know, they say it's like the only thing <laughs> to start a meeting is two alcoholics and a resentment and a pot of pop. <laughs> right. That's it. I'm really grateful for my sponsor because she helped me work through, you know, we've read everything about the traditions and having a knowledge of the traditions has really helped me. And I think I wrote about that um, mm-hmm. because I was able to talk with people at the university and because they gave me a room that I don't have to pay rent on and I can just have meetings, have a schedule. So the meeting is at the university. It's on the campus. Yeah. So it's in the basement of just one of the buildings in the university and it's not affiliated. Technically it is affiliated. It's like the collegiate recovery group, but Mm -hmm. I talked with them and I made sure, you know, we're not taking any funding from you guys. They graciously gave us the room, but we have books and literature from people who have given us books and literature. Um, So it's not affiliated with the school. Yeah, That's the same with most meetings. I mean, in this area, most meetings are in church basements. Mm -hmm. They're not affiliated with the church. The church is offering the room to the group to use. I can't say it's our meetings or anything special because there's only so many people. And then eventually... Unfortunately, you know, of those four people like me and then the three others, two of them went back out. And I think that's part of the struggles of being a young person is Mm -hmm. I feel like it would be easy for me to not look at the experience of other people and just be like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm young. I I don't need to get sober now, but I'm grateful that I could look at the experiences of the old timers in the meetings and I could learn from their mistakes and I don't have to go back out. Yes, I think that's why it's so important for us to have this this great mix of people together too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, back when I was living in North Carolina, my last home group there was young people. I had a blast. I was one of a handful of middle-aged guys who was in that group that weren't creepy and <laughs> none of us were creepy. Um, <laughs> and um but one of the things that was so cool for me was the commingling of life experiences, they taught me so much. And there were times that I got to be the teacher too. And I yeah. think that that's just one of the incredible things that happens with WIPA. I love that WIPA is embracing of other people that aren't necessarily quote unquote young being around and being a part of it. Yeah, I definitely agree. The whole young at heart, it's nice feeling like, you know, I have things that can help other people and other people have helped me so much. Like just because I'm younger doesn't mean that, I don't know, I don't have the experience of being an alcoholic. That's something that we all share. Exactly. Bingo. But, you know, I, I appreciate in my home group that there are people of all ages there so that we don't split off into, I mean, I'm a member of a men's meeting and I like that. And I like the fact that it's just men there. That's useful. And I like the fact that there are young people's meetings, but I also like that everybody participates in all the meetings because in my home group, we have young people there and old people there and middle-aged people there, people of all types mixing and sharing their experience because we kind of need all of that. As myself being sober for a long time and being an old white man, (laughs) then 
I need to hear the energy and enthusiasm of young people coming into AA as much as older people. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things, Don. I went to gay meetings only when I first got sober because that's where I, my people were. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize my people actually included a much larger, broader, diverse group of people. But in that moment, that was where I could go and I felt safe and I could relate very easily with the people in that room. And that's what got me into the broader part of AA, going to the mainstream meetings later. Similarly, we've got the men's meetings where men can go and there's the focus of the experience that men have in recovery. We have the women's meetings for the same reason. We have young people's meetings for the same reason. And I love that we do have these smaller, uh, I don't know, I don't have the word for it right now, but these these clusterings of ourselves where something in addition to alcoholism is in common. Yeah. It does make it easier. I mean, identification is the hardest thing coming in. Leah, what is something working with your sponsor, working the steps? What was an obstacle in the steps? And then you got on the other side of it and found that it was a positive experience in your life. Oh man, that's such a specific question. I think it's probably pretty common with any sponsor sponsee relationship. I came in not knowing a lot of things, like mm-hmm. not really knowing how to how, how to think right. Just <laughs> from alcohol, you know, like I needed, I needed any help that I could get, and I yeah. I'm glad that I, I really trusted my sponsor wholeheartedly, and I I still do because there were so many things that she was telling me, and I was like, that's just wrong. I'm not doing that. That's the worst. You're just out of tune, man. <laughs> but, she, you know, she also came into the program young, and I think we had that in common. It's okay if you don't want to do this, but I'd love to hear a specific example of some place that your sponsor said you really need to do this and it seemed crazy and you just surrendered and did it. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing that comes to mind is making amends to my siblings because... You know, I wrote the letters and I was like, you know, it's fine. I'm just going to keep it. She what do you did- mean? Not mail it? Yeah, not mail them. Because uh-huh. I was like, they don't need to know this. You know, <laughs> they know I'm a train wreck. <laughs> but she did push me to make those amends. And I think that it has helped my relationship with my siblings. But I guess another thing that, I, that I'm thinking about was definitely with the inventory. She made me be so thorough but it was, it was good for me because I need to be thorough and she made it very clear. You have to write it down. You can't just say it. Mm-hmm. It, it really helped me with my fifth step then with being able to, to give my fifth step. And it was a huge like relief and I had to trust her. I didn't like trusting. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Sarah, if you're listening to this, but um, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to trust her when she was, you know, with the second step and the idea of God, it made me really angry. I didn't like the idea of God. And she was, well, how did it make you angry? Because God wasn't there when, you know, when this or that was happening, why didn't God help me? You know, like, why are all these things happening? What, you know, why would God make me an alcoholic? I think just struggling with that. And I will always just be so grateful for the fact that she was so just gentle with the whole God thing, because I didn't want to believe it. And she was like, that's okay. You don't have to believe in God. You don't have to have a higher power. You just have to 
have something that isn't yourself, just something that isn't yourself. And it can be the meetings. That's what my sponsors told me. And it, for me, like, I didn't really have any kind of God moment until after I gave my fifth step. Yeah. And then you did. And then I did. And I still have a hard time with it, but you know, she pushes me to read, what is it? Page 84 through 88 in the big book and do things that or have like a God moment in the morning where I can just sit and just, just God, please keep me sober today. You know, like, even if it's a little thing, cause I still struggle with that, but she's been really gentle in, I don't know, just helping me accept a higher power without shoving it down my throat. Allow. Yeah. I love that. One of Don's favorites word is, is, is I will allow that. Yeah. You totally took me back to my first sponsor and how she simplified the steps for me. She was like, you know, we got these 12 steps, but let's make it even simpler. One is the problem. Two is the answer. And three through 12 is how you get to the answer. I like that. And that's totally what I heard in you saying that the fifth step is when that God moment happened for you. And that God, whatever God is, is step two, that solution. So allowing yourself to be moved through as well as doing the work of the steps had its intended effect. Yeah. So you're like a year and a half sober now. Yeah. I'm coming up on 18 months. What is life like today? It's very different. I pray that I never have to go back to the life that I had before because it was really miserable. I have choices now. That's really cool. You know, I can do things that I want to do. And, you know, I I think the biggest thing is I don't live in constant fear anymore. Mm. Fear completely ruled every decision that I ever made. It's been very hard getting to this point, obviously, but today I don't have to live in constant fear. Well, how do you think the fear is lifted? You know, when I was drinking, I would feel something that was scary. And then immediately my reaction would be just to drink over it. And then I had to learn that I have to feel whatever feeling or emotion or situation that's happening and I can't ignore it. And I just have to you know, sit with it and go through it. And it took a lot of the fear out when I realized that I can experience, you know, whatever it is, going to the grocery store, even like doing my laundry, you know, any little thing, but, you know, now I'm able to do things that, you know, I never would have thought that I would have been able to do. So does fear still show up? Oh yeah. I'm definitely a fear driven person entirely. I've always been like that, but I have tools now. So I don't, that's really what it comes down to is I'm able to notice when the fear is, you know, being more intense and I can sit with it and kind of get to the root of it. And sometimes that means I'm still going to be scared, but at least I know why. And it takes a lot of the power out of it because I don't have to drink over it. And that's the coolest thing because that's where I have choice now. (laughs) I don't have to drink over it. Yeah. I remember there was an old timer in a meeting I went to in Greensboro who said, Courage is fear that has said its prayers. <laughs> yeah, I put something like that where it's like courage doesn't mean that you aren't scared or there's no fear. It's being able to walk through the fear. Yes. To do something even though you're scared. You know, one of my favorite ones is fear is a mile high and a mile wide and paper thin. Step right through it. I'm still scared like most of the time though. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I think that you're hiding it really well. <laughs> I was scared to come on this podcast, but I did it anyway. <laughs> Feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, Leah, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really you, glad Leah. that you took the suggestion from your sponsor to say yes. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was very fun. The Grapevine is looking for your story submissions for Why I Love the 12 and 12. Stories are due by December 15th, 2022. Our 12 Steps and 12 Traditions book turns 70 next year. Tell us the ways this book has enriched your sobriety. Is there a story about using the book that you'd like to tell? How does your group use it? What are your favorite passages and why? Share your story by December 15, 2022 via aagrapevine.org share. A man sat in front of his home contemplating his future. He had just gotten a divorce, lost his children, been fired from his job, and now faced eviction. He noticed a case of beer bottles in his trash and walked up to it. He took out an empty bottle and smashed it, swearing, You are why I don't have a wife! He threw a second bottle. And you're why I don't have any children! And a third. You are why I lost my job! But then he discovered a fourth bottle, still sealed and full of beer. He took it, tucked it into his pocket, and said, Stand aside, my friend. I know you were not involved. It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole, we share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.